Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Unfortunately, it won't be as uh, enjoyable in addition. Well, we'll be enjoyable, but uh, what we're going to talk about, not as enjoyable as how the season has gone thus far, as Florida State suffers its first defeat of the year, losing to Wake Forest 31-21. And uh, Keith, the first three minutes of the game, maybe two minutes, were excellent. Florida State went 83 yards after that opening kickoff and 7 nothing. And then Wake started moving the ball, and I thought this is exactly what I expected. It's going to be last team with the ball wins, 45-42 kind of thing. But then it went off the tracks from there, both offensively and defensively for Florida State. We talked about that on our Wednesday show, and, and you're right. I was right there with you. I thought this might be a 70, 80, 90-point game between the two teams. Um, they're just – after that first drive, there just seemed to be – something just was off. Uh, obviously all of the attention goes to your quarterback. They always get too much praise in the victories and too much fault in the losses. But I thought, you know, despite um, the effort was there, but I just thought Travis was off a little bit. There were a couple of three throws that he had made in the previous four games that he did not make in this game. And I was sitting up in the varsity club uh, and, and just thinking to myself, you know, it's going to be very important for Travis to refocus. And he struggled a little bit with that, with that in my opinion, the first half. But he came out in the second half, and, and, and overall, I thought he did it tremendously well in the second half, offense as well. But you could just tell in that first after that first drive uh, until the halftime, there was just something off. And, um, and I think kids started reacting, um, in, you know, in, in years past, they would kind of give up. And I don't mean that they would throw in the towel, but they would lose their focus. I think in that first half, I'd be interested in your comments. Coach Norvell uh, mentioned this in his post-game comments, that they started pressing. And that's the first time I've seen that this year. And that's a whole other animal that you have to learn to play against and, and not let happen. Yeah, he mentioned it at halftime, too, when I talked to him. I asked him what his message to the team was, and it was – I think what he said is I, I just told everybody they need to do their job and not try to do more. So right. that right there was a sign he felt like in the first half. And, you know, this was this has been an issue with the team going back several years. has not been an issue with this year's team. So I don't know if that's the moment, i.e. Florida State's ranked for the first time since 2018. They're playing a, a first time there's been a ranked versus ranked game for FSU since Virginia Tech in 2018. But whatever, the, maybe it's because Wake Forest is a damn good football team, which at some point, all of us that cover FSU will just admit that and stop calling them the little engine that can, which is how I prefer to them, because they're, they're a darn good football team. But whatever the reason, guys were trying a little too hard. And it sounds very simplistic, but if you move or stray one yard further over than where you're supposed to be, all of a sudden that hole is one yard bigger for somebody to get through. And you had good intent, but the result's going to be bad, especially if you have half your defense or half your offense making those kind of mistakes. So I, I don't know where you – I don't know the why on that, but it did get better as the game went on, but it's disappointing that it showed up. Another factor, you hate to point to things like this, but it was an unusual week with uh, classes being canceled for the four days, Tuesday through Friday, university shut down on uh, Thursday and Friday. Uh, that, that plays with the psyche. I don't, uh, you know, you can make all the excuses. You can say you've got to rise above that. You've got to be focused, but it's a distraction. 
And when you get out of your routine and you get distracted, then the finer points, the little things that made this team successful through the first four games go away. And it's very hard to get them back in the moment. And certainly you can't overcome them against a good team like Wake. Yeah, and those are factors. But I think at the end of the day, when you look at this game, it comes down to Wake Forest is a better football team at the line of scrimmage, or certainly was in this game. Florida State's offense struggled against that Wake Forest D-line, which I didn't think would be the case. I Nothing that happened when Florida State's defense was on the field surprised me from the standpoint that Wake does that to everybody. Prior to yesterday, the winning team in Wake Forest's last 15 football games – had scored at least 37 points. And Wake was that winning team most of the time. So the last time Wake's offense was held to this few of points was last year in Winston-Salem when they scored 35 on FSU. So it did not surprise me that Wake got in the 30s. What surprised me is that FSU struggled as much as it did offensively. But again, uh, I think 39 of those guys on Wake Forest team are, are fourth or fifth year guys. Late in the game, they lost one of their tackles. He was He's in his seventh year. He's a seventh-year starting tackle. And they replaced him with a redshirt senior for the two snaps that he went out. So think about that. That just goes to show you how experienced Wake is. Um, and obviously, their quarterback's good, and that slow mash we can talk about. But uh, again, for me, this goes back to the offensive line. And this is the first time I feel like that the, the offensive line really got exposed. Florida State's struggling at the tackle position. Robert Scott Jr. has been out, and obviously two guys went down before the season. And I feel like it finally caught up to him a little bit. And that's part of the reason. Jordan's not 100%, but that's part of the reason that the, the offense was just behind the chains all game long. There was every, every third down was a passing down all game. You know, one of the things you had mentioned this before we went on, uh, we, we began taping this, and I'd be interested in you expounding upon that. But it was noticeable that Wake was getting pressure defensively from the outside. They were not bull rushing. They were speed rushing. And I don't know if they widened some people. I don't know if that was an intentional type of thing. But the Florida State could not contain – the Florida State's tackles could not contain that upward push uh, by Wake Forest. And that uh, did not allow Travis to get outside uh, and, and try to work his magic outside of the pocket uh, like he had been in the past. What do you think? Yeah, I think they definitely widened out their defensive ends, and that was part of it. And and I don't know. I'd have to. I have not looked at the TV copy of this game yet. Uh, the one thing where Jordan, the area where Jordan has really improved, though, is uh, not just abandoning the pocket, but stepping up in the pocket. And it seemed like there weren't as many opportunities for him to do that either. But uh, to your point that you made earlier, first part of the game, he definitely missed some throws that he had hit previously. Now, to be fair, he's been about as accurate as you'll ever see a quarterback when you're on the run of, of hitting a guy in stride. And, and on Saturday, he missed a couple of those and missed by four or five yards on some of them, too. Uh, then, he, then he settled in and got better. But I was, I was just looking at this, you know, the first drive of the game, Keith, obviously Florida State uh, went down and scored. Remember this, by the way. Uh, Wake didn't do anything with the ball on its first drive, but not because FSU did anything. They were at midfield fourth and one and were going for it, which we saw the way the game played out. They were going to make a fourth and one, but they yep. got called for an illegal shift and had to punt. So FSU got the ball back up seven, nothing. And that, 
it seems silly. It's the first quarter. It's the second drive of the game. But the way Wake scores, that's a big drive if you go down and make it 10 nothing or 14 nothing all of a sudden and you're playing from ahead. So that, that next drive, Florida State got four yards on first down. But then the second down pass was batted down. And, and then third and six, they completed a two-yard pass to Johnny Wilson and immediately punted. So it's a three-play, six-yard drive, and you give the ball right back to Wake Forest. And before you bat an eye, it's a tie game. Uh, seems insignificant at the time, but that was a key three and out. There were, there were two of those drives. That's the one uh, from a negative standpoint on offense. The other drive that, in my opinion, sealed the deal was that last drive by Wake Forest when they took the ball over inside their own 20 and they kept it for 16 plays. And it resulted in that field goal that uh, ultimately made it uh, 31-21. And, and it's just those are situations early in the first quarter. You know, offensively, you could have taken better control of the game. And then late in the fourth quarter, when you've got to have a stop on defense and turn the ball back over to your offense, Florida State didn't do what it needed to do, and, and that's why they lost the ball game, period, the end. Well, that drive, they could never stop Wake Forest when they needed to have a stop. So that drive you're talking about, Wake takes over with 9.32 left. It's 28-21. And as you look at this, so the uh, just just looking at it, the, the first play of that drive was only two yards, so they had them second and eight. So FSU has them behind the chains, but they immediately get a 13-yard pass. So then the next set of downs, they get to a third and six. Again, they complete a 13-yard pass. The next set of downs, they get to third and 10. They complete a seven-yard pass, and then they go for it on fourth and three, uh, and they get that. And it just and then there was a third and five in there before you got to the third and goal. So, I mean, you had four or five um, key plays in there, possession snaps, and Florida State couldn't get a stop on any of them. And, and that's my point. The, the, when you're playing a good team, when you're playing two top 25 teams, um, and Coach Norvell made this comment in his postgame comment, you know, Wake's not going to beat themselves. They're just not going to beat themselves. They're going to execute. They're going to they're protect the ball. They're not going to give up gash plays on defense. So you have got to execute when you have the ball, and you've got to force them uh, into punts, uh, or, or going forward on fourth down when they have the ball. And so Wake executed, Florida State did not. You lose a ball game. Yeah, period, the end, right? I have not seen the TV replay, and I was really, I was screened on the sideline from it. But the ball that should have been picked off by Greedy Vance, describe that for me, Keith. I mean, that was a pick six waiting to happen to tie the game. I, I don't know how that ball got missed. I mean, it literally looked to me like, and I, you know, like I said, I was at the game and, and sitting in the varsity club. I did see a little bit of the replay on one of the TVs above me. I, I'm not going to say this actually happened, but I believe the ball went right over his head and right between his arms. Um, that, that would have been an absolute uh, turnaround play if he'd been, made, been able to make it. Again, not pointing blame on one play because uh, it takes a bunch of them. By the way, Wake ran 85 offensive plays. Florida State had 63. It's hard to win ball games when the offense has taken 20-plus more snaps than you are. No question. Well, and just going back to FSU's drive, so we I detailed the second drive. The third drive is when Travis 
on first down, ran to the left for four yards, but fumbled the football. So now Wake gets a short field, you know, and you look up and uh, or maybe I missed a drive in there, but you look up and it's 21 seven. I'm just taking a look because the, the Florida State running game was not what we expected necessarily. But uh, it really comes down to second and third down, just just missing and not staying on the field long enough to get enough at bats, i.e. why did Trey Benson get not get more carries? Well, Florida State was off the field in, in three snaps a lot of times uh, and, and punting the football. So it wasn't as if they had 10 and 12 and 15 play drives to work a lot of guys in there. I think uh, going back to the injury point in the offensive line, Keith, so I don't know when Robert Scott Jr. is going to come back. He was dressed out yesterday, went through pregame warmups. He, he really hasn't practiced a lot, I don't believe. And I don't know that he's just because he's dressed out. I don't know that that means he's available against NC State. He's getting closer. Uh, they certainly could use him. I don't know that they have many options left, but uh, I, I just think the uh, it, it's starting to be a little more obvious that they don't have Bless Harris and they don't have Caden Lyles, and now they don't have Robert Scott Jr. And, and not to pick on Darius Washington, but in, in the second half, Keith, after the Micah Pittman punt return, when Florida State had a really short field, Darius had two penalties on that drive. One was a five-yarder that backed him up to start the drive, and then one was an obvious holding call on a play where the ball was going to be first and goal at the three. And, and didn't even make the, need to make the hold because Travis had already escaped. Um but that changes yeah. the that changes the second half of the game if you get within one score that early in the second half. Correct. That was still in the third quarter. Again, we go back to numbers. You know, Wake with eighty five snaps, FSU was sixty three. Uncharacteristic. FSU had eleven penalties. This is the first game this year when penalties have been an issue. Um, and again, that goes back. I know I sound like, and you sound like, and we sound like a broken record, but that goes back to the focus that Coach Norvell preaches all the time. You know, those are the little things that get you beat against a good football team. You know, 11 miscues. You just, you just can't let that happen. And as a result, you know, changing gears a little bit, though, Tommy, if you had asked us back on July 1st, when camp was getting ready to get started, what, the third week of July, fourth week of July, and knowing that you had uh, LSU, uh, if you'd have said after five games, would you take four and one and finally gotten into the top 25, uh, we would have all taken it. We would all have taken it. You know, success is an interesting uh, mistress because she will bait you into believing things that uh, maybe aren't really true. And, and as a result, this might be a good wake-up call for this team relative to that subtle behind the things. You know, we are doing well, and we do know how to work, and we can overcome adversity. And then you can't, and that's another step in the growth. Well, they've overcome adversity this year. If you think about it, we've talked about some of the – some of the things they've, the boxes they've checked. Most people, certainly outside of FSU circles, didn't expect FSU to beat LSU, especially in New Orleans. And they did, they really dominated that game, even though the final score was close. Then Florida State was a favorite on the road at Louisville. First time they've been a road favorite in a long time. How would they respond? Got hit in the mouth, lost their quarterback, came back and won. Then it was, well, now they're a heavy favorite at home against Boston College. Surely they'll they'll regress a little and not be as focused, and they completely dominated. So it was a little surprising to me that 
this would be the game where it seemed like things were off. We, we pointed out some potential reasons why. Uh, for me, I, I go back to, I, I think it's maybe uh, the magnitude of, the, you know, all of a sudden there's a, there, you're a seven point favorite against a good ranked football team that won the division last year. And you just pressed a little bit much. I do want to take a minute and uh, point out that, that Wake, no matter how many times we see him, Keith, they are the epitome of better than the sum of their parts. They're just well coached and really good. They started with Jim Grove. They do it with Dave Clawson. By the way, Sam Hartman, this is not his last year of eligibility. He's just like Jordan Travis. If there's not enough of a sniff from the NFL, we'll be facing Sam Hartman in Winston-Salem next year. Although next year is next year when the new schedule starts and maybe we're not playing the Atlantic Division. Maybe Wake rolls off. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. The, I, other, part of, the other part of it, though, was because of his experience, and we made this comment during the week, you know, that slow mesh was in slow motion. I mean, you go back and look at Wake two years ago or four years ago, that slow mesh wasn't as pronounced as it is now. I mean, he would stand there, Hartman would stand in there with that ball in the belly of the running back, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. That is a really, really long time to run that. And uh, it works for him. I, I, I'm not sure. If if you tried to do that at Florida State, you would have any success, or for that matter, much of anywhere else in the country. But it works for Wake Forest, and it particularly works because Hartman is so good at executing. Yeah, and Florida State obviously struggled against it. So uh, Wake was missing some guys, by the way. Their top cornerback was out, and their top two tight ends, one of whom I think is their best NFL prospect, they were playing their third-string tight end. Uh, so they're not nobody's going to be 100%. They certainly weren't. FSU, though, uh, to your point about the slow mesh, Fabian Lovett would have been very useful in this game. Very much. Uh, a healthy Jared Verse every snap would have been very useful. I mean, he went out there, pretty much obvious passing situations, third and long, which there weren't a ton of, but that's when Verse was out there. So he wasn't dealing with the slow mesh as much. But with his speed, he's somebody who could speed up that slow mesh if he can get Correct. around the edge. And I'm not sure I'd, I'd have to go back and look at the tape and, and find out if there was any schematic adjustment there in the middle of the third quarter for those two or three drives where the defense did get better pressure. And, and really what they did is they they stopped the run on first and second down and then it became an obvious passing down and then they could pin their ears back and they did get to Hartman a couple times. But I don't know what led to all of a sudden they stopped the run on on the earlier downs, if that was schematic or, or effort related or do your job related or what. Well, and I too would have to go back and look. If I had to answer the test question today, uh, it would it looked to me like that Coach Fuller dialed up some some run blitzes. In other words, they were getting one or two additional people, as we say, in the box, but moving forward. Because, see, that's one of the things that mesh does. If you penetrate too much, you run right by somebody. And by delaying, you know, you allow the back to have an opportunity to see where the lane is because it's not called for, you know, between the, the, the right guard in the center or the left guard in the center. It could be anywhere of, of any of those four lanes, depending on what the defense does. But it did look like they were a little more aggressive. Now, when you're more aggressive like that, you've got to play some man coverage in the back. And, and that occasionally hurt Florida State. You know, I know our fans are going to be upset about, you know, um, pass interference calls that were made and then calls that weren't made when Florida State had the ball. 
but um, you, you put your defensive backs in some tough situations when you have to uh, run blitz and, and try to take that decision away uh, from Hartman. But you're right. They, they played and performed much better in the, in the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. That's why I was so disappointed in that last drive. I mean, that was a true championship response by Wake Forest to take that ball over and, and keep it for 16 plays and come away with three points. That, that, that's a testament to their program. Yeah, it really is, because you had multiple chances to get them off the field. Uh, if you get them off the field, shoot at eight plays, you get the ball back with six minutes left, and maybe it's a tie game with three minutes left to go in that game. Now, exactly. I'm not saying that would have ended well because that wake offense is something, but uh, to their credit, you never got them off the field. Uh, here's uh, – I, I would take this as a good sign, uh, Noel fans. So, for the post game on the radio, they brought me uh, Patrick Payton and Jared Verse. So, Payton, who's playing well, is he's going to have a bright future when he gets some more weight on him. Uh, he went out late in the game. I don't even recall what it was. Uh, and Jared Verse obviously has been playing through or, or played through this – whatever his knee issue is, the fact that they brought them both to me in the post-game interview uh, would tell me that they're both feeling all right and, and they weren't uh, dealing with doctors and trainers at that moment. Now we'll see how they are today, but I would take that as a positive sign. Uh, Burst was non-committal in terms of, is he going to get back to an unlimited, unlimited snap count and all that, but he was in a good frame of mind, said he felt fine, and he'll just get with the trainers and doctors and see how much he'll play going forward. But I think that's encouraging that that you're going to get him back. I don't know when Lovett's going to come back or, or Scott, and they need, to get, uh, they need to get them back soon. But you, you mentioned first five games, we'd all would have taken four and one. So now, as we sit here right now, it seems hard to think of how's Florida State going to get one of these next two games because the next two opponents are better at the line of scrimmage than Wake. But if you do your job and play better, you can still get one of these next two. And so if you think of it that way and say, all right, can, if Florida State's five and two after this stretch, that's still probably better than where most people had them. That's if you can get either at NC State or Clemson at home. Well, and, and the positive thing on the defensive side of the ball is you're going to be playing against very good offenses with very good quarterbacks, but they're conventional offenses. They're, they're things that you're used to seeing. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you are playing probably the two best defensive lines in the country in NC State and Clemson. But you know that. So you tailor your game plan. You, there'll be some more quick throws. There'll be some more rollouts. I mean, you, you can schematically attack those defenses with what your strengths are. So by no means am I um, thinking Florida State's going to go to Carter Finley and lose by 30 and, and then have the Tigers come in and lose by 40. That, that's not the message at all. And as I say, you know, particularly this is still a young football team. And, and this is old school and old-fashioned and everything. But, you know, sometimes even with the head coach defending them, sometimes players think a little too much of themselves. Sometimes they, they think they're a little better than they are. And a reality check is not necessarily a bad thing. And you could tell, a man, you could tell in Jordan Travis's post-game interview, he, he would not even answer the question that was asked. He just basically said, we've got to be better and we will be better. And, and if that is the message that's taken to heart this week, I'm not saying they'll go up there and beat NC State, but they'll certainly perform. 
NC State at night is a tough deal. Playing at NC State and Carter Finley has always been tough for Florida State. At least it's not Thursday night, Tommy. At least it's not Thursday night. You and I have had some unbelievably bad experiences on Thursday nights at Carter Finley. Yeah, we're past we're past the Thursday night deal now. That now NC State uh, has not been as good offensively as what was anticipated this year. Hopefully that trend continues for at least another game, right? Uh, for Florida State to try and get one. I'm trying to think what else in the secondary, Keith. Uh, Azariah Thomas played a lot, the the freshman for FSU, and I'm not aware that Amarian Cooper got hurt. He got beat for one touchdown on that scramble play where obviously he lost his eye discipline because then the receiver got away from him when he broke back outside. Um, so I don't know if that was coach's decision or what, but Thomas was out there a lot in that football game, and we've known he was he's coming. Uh, I don't know if that means his time is now or if Adam Fuller was just trying different folks out there or maybe it was a result of the volume of plays that Wake had offensively, but they mixed a lot of DBs in there. They did. Again, when you're, when you're playing a team that takes 85 snaps, you're going to have, I mean, basically, Tommy, 60, 65 snaps is kind of the norm. That, I mean, FSU had 63 snaps on offense. That's just kind of the way this game works unless you're in true hurry up. So there's 20 plays that defense, that Florida State's defense, you either ask your frontline players to play or you bring in your backups. But there's 20 plays, which is a pretty good number, when you're going to see folk that maybe aren't quite there yet because you just can't ask your frontline folks to go that long. Now. Yeah. 50 years ago when you were playing both ways, that wasn't a worry. But in today's environment, uh, it certainly is. So whether it was him performing well or because he needed to be there, um, you know, Thomas got those extra snaps. That will be beneficial as you go forward. Uh, It's just the proverbial chicken and egg. Do Do you allow them to make their mistakes and then learn from it, or can you make some mistakes that don't hurt you and they learn from them and get better? Um, it, it's just an interesting conundrum. That's why we love college football. 31-21, the final. Keith, the uh, uh, the special teams, we, we do need to address this real quickly. So first of all, if you think about what a difference a year makes, uh, Micah Pittman's doing a good job on on catching the punts he can, had a nice return that really – uh, should have resulted in points off that short field. And, and hats off to Micah Pittman, who played his best game as a Nolan and scored his first two touchdowns as a Nolan and his first touchdowns, I think, in three years in college football. And it looks like they found something with Trey Benson returning kicks. I know he bobbled the first one of the game and only got it to the 17. But then he, he knew the rule to step out of bounds and, and uh, get that penalty on the, on the one kickoff to get the ball out to the 35. Took a next one to about midfield. Unfortunately, he got tackled by the kicker. But Looks like he's found something there. You don't need, you can comment on that if you want. The, the bigger issue, Keith, is I don't know what you do at, at place kicker right now, but it does feel like you just let Ryan handle kickoffs and you figure out a walk-on to go handle the rest. I, I, I don't know. They will, I would suspect, they will publicly uh, support him. Uh, but I think privately you're correct. Uh, you, you've got to change your thought process on that. And I don't, you know, I, I'm very careful to be critical of Coach Norvell because the philosophy and the, the metrics and the things that, you know, today's coaches use, uh, you know, I haven't studied. I've not been 
privy to. I, I've not had the sit down conversations philosophically. But I don't know why you go for that field goal. First of all, at a 50 yard level with the kicker the way he's performing. And then you stay with it at the 55 yard attempt. Um, I, I, that just doesn't resonate with me. And that's probably as harsh a criticism as you over here of me over Coach Norvell. Um, but that, that seemed to be a little unusual. Um, maybe it's just me. Well, a couple things, and I want to go back to the one in the first half, which is a chip shot field goal. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but but yours at the end of the game, so you're trying to keep it a one possession game, and really what you're saying is, is it a higher percentage that Fitz makes this field goal from 55 yards, or that we convert? And I'm not looking at it right now. What was it like, fourth and 15, something it like that? It was a long ways. It was a long ways. So, are you better throwing a jump ball, or you know, or throwing a pass, or better kicking it? Um, I will say, by the way, and this didn't come up. But in the flow of the game, when it got to be 28 to 19 and FSU converted successfully uh, to make it 28-21, really the play in that situation is to kick the PAT and get it to 28-20 so it's a one-possession game. And then you go for the two the next time you score. Now, But why did you go for two the time before? Well, that I don't know. That that I don't know. See, that's that's the point that I don't understand. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's different. And I've not had the opportunity to listen to the philosophy around it. That one, I didn't understand either. Yeah. I, I don't know. The philosophy may be that they, they thought they were going to catch Wake off guard a little bit, sneak in a quick two, and then at the end of the game, uh, you're not tied, you're up by one. So you're not playing overtime against them. But you understand my point, if if you if you go for two as they did when it's 28-19 and you miss, now you're still down two scores. Now they got it, so you're down seven. But if you kick the PAT, you're still within one possession and you push the going for two to next. But I, I want to go back to the first half, Keith, and I, I think the answer to why ultimately they kicked the field goal is because it was third and 10, fourth and 10, and it should have been, it was a 29 yard field goal. You should get it. But I would go back to the start of that set of downs. You had first and 10 at the Wake Forest 11 with a minute left and all your timeouts. You ran Toa Feely for two. You ran Ward for two. You threw one pass to the tight end who didn't have his head around or something was not right on that. And so that's how you wound up with, with fourth and long. There was no attempt to get it to Johnny Wilson. You weren't throwing on earlier downs. I think the, the first, second, third down could have been better managed which would have gotten you potentially to a fourth and two or something where you would go for it there. But once it was fourth and 10, the thought process was, okay, let's just get it to 21, 10 at half. We're still in this. We'll go in with a good feeling. Unfortunately, the kick is no good and you go in feeling worse. Yeah. And if I didn't explain myself, I have no problems with the call at that point. Uh, Yes. You go in 21, 10. um, if, If you convert it, it's just that with today's metrics, I find myself scratching my head a time or two or three almost every ball game. And again, not a criticism of Coach Norvell because a lot of people are also doing it. It's just I haven't been able to get my hands around it or my head around it yet. And um, and when, when you're when you're sitting in the varsity club with a bunch of old guys, they're all saying the same thing. Doesn't make us right, just makes us grumpy. Looking at it, by the way, the the, the long field goal at the end, it was fourth and twenty at the Wake thirty-seven. So are you better off going for it fourth and 20 or trying the field goal there? 
You know, that, if, that's it's four, a, that, if it's if it's fourth and seven right there, I'm sure you're going for it and, and working on the on the touchdown. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be an interesting week, uh, and I wish that uh, Fitz. Uh, it's all between the ears at this point, and and I don't know how that's going to get better. He needs something. He needs one to hit off the bar and go through, and and maybe just let him take a deep breath. But I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. Certainly, it becomes part of your your decision making. Part of your decision making. Well, we've talked a lot of negatives. Let's talk about some positives. It's time now for our prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. You you mentioned this uh, individual previously, but we're going to highlight Micah Pittman. Uh, finishes the game with uh, five receptions for 85 yards, including two touchdowns. As you mentioned, from a statistical standpoint, fielded a couple of punts, uh, i.e. he didn't let them drop. But the one that he get, did get his hands on, he returned 34 yards um, to set Florida State up. It would have been nice if, he had, uh, if Florida State's offense had been able to score on that. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Bankers Magazine. They've held that uh, distinction for quite a while. Want the bank where they greet you by name? Smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? Well, try Prime Meridian Bank. That's what I call great performance. Try my bank. Prime Meridian Bank. Offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank. Remember, FDIC. Uh, Micah had a great game. I was very, very glad to see him uh, rise to that level uh, because you, you talk to the kids and talk to Travis. Uh, he works hard. He's a talent. He just hasn't gotten many at-bats, but he took advantage of them this week. He really did, and he's, he's been good in the punt returns. And by the way, I, I'm not looking at the, the final box score, but I think he, was, he either led or was tied for the team lead in receiving yards, which means – that's a fifth straight game that a different receiver has led FSU in receiving yards, if that's the case, uh, which despite the frustrations and disappointment of yesterday, the receiving core has come so far in a year. It's remarkable. And if they get Winston right back for the second half of the season, who's the take the top off the defense speed guy that they don't necessarily have out there, that just adds another dynamic. And I think he's getting closer too. Anyway, Keith, I think we're out of time. Eight o'clock kickoff. I knew it had been announced at seven thirty or eight. I just looked at the schedule and it says eight o'clock. So it'll be even more night at Raleigh for this game next week. <laughs> well, as I say, and you you poo poo this a little bit, but as I say, at least it's not Thursday night. Uh, Thursday nights in at Carter Finley and Raleigh have just that's a bad bad place for Mister Jones to go to. I don't want to. I don't want to ever go there again. Understood. We're out of time, folks. We'll do our regular show on Wednesday at noon on uh, 93.3. Follow, subscribe to the podcast so it loads up in your feeds. And uh, I think that's it. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.